You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Have you thought of community as a legacy? I want to help you today to build an intergenerational bond that lasts with the people around you. So my message title today for you is, My Community is My Legacy, if you're taking notes. My community is my legacy. For as long as humans have been around, community has been around. We like to gather, we like to be together, we like to come together, but we don't only have gathered for uh, pleasure or just to be social. Humans have gathered for protection, for survival, for mutual support, for learning. Now, I brought a little something with me here today. I don't know if you can guess what I've brought, what I've brought with me. It's a little bit of theater here, a little drama. Can you guess what this is? A puppy! <laughs> that would be amazing and very troublesome. Uh, I have some firewood. I have some firewood. Nice firewood. Do you enjoy the fire? Fire is great. I love the fire. I love the fire in the fall. I also love the fire in the spring. Um, this is great wood provided uh, by a fine gentleman friend of our community here, Mr. James Potter of James Potter Landscaping. He got great product. Not sponsored. Magic. You want to see some magic? It didn't work. This is supposed to collapse. I love, I love the fire. There's something about the fire that connects to the soul. And the truth is that human beings have been gathering in circles around the fire for centuries. About eight, year, eight years ago, they discovered a fire pit in the country of Israel that is at least 300,000 years old. So if people have been gathering around the fire for community. They've been gathering around the fire for a long, long time. There's a lot we don't know about human history. There's a lot we don't know about our past. There's a lot we don't know about where we're headed. And there's a lot we don't know about ourselves, our bodies. But this we know. We have survived and we have grown. And we're here today because of community. For thousands of years, couples, parents, families, and their kids, and, and, and villages have gathered around the fire to have a meal and to share life. Now, as technology has evolved, we have built fences around our fires. We have controlled our fire. We have built walls around it. We have made shelters and dwellings and homes. We have built tables for our food, chairs for us to sit on. We have turned our fire pits into stoves, and there we prepare our meal but the principle remains, our true wealth comes from our 
community, the quality of our community that we have inherited and the quality of the community we are passing on to the next generation. Community is learned. Community is the primary mechanism that God has designed for us to teach and guide the next generation. I love classrooms. I love schools. I love university. But there's something about learning from a community, whether it be a family, a group of friends, a church, an environment where it's healthy. There's something special about that. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, we're actually going to start on verse 7. Scripture says this, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us, whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? This is Moses talking to the people. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your heart. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Notice that. Know on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days of their life on the earth and that they may teach their children also. From the beginning, this is like God is forming these people who are to live differently, who are to live in a new way. And from the beginning, God is saying, I have shared with you my law. I have shared with you my instructions. Now it is your responsibility to share that with your children. It is your responsibility to pass that along, to guide them, to instruct them. And the purpose of community when it comes with, a, with our life with God, it's, it's clear. The purpose of community is so that we can pass it along to the next generation. And the church is the only institution on earth, I believe, that has this, this, this thing alive. We, we only have received what we have received because we have been part of a community that has experienced God, that has experienced a life with Christ, and therefore we were attracted to it. The purpose of community is that. Is that, is that we may keep our generational bonds strong and that we may take that seriously. Now you may ask, why, why does it have to be this way? Why can't just God speak to us directly every time? Well, I believe he does. I believe he does speak to us through the scriptures. I believe he does speak to us through other people. He speaks to us sometimes through a revelation, a, a dream, a moment where God just communicates to your heart. But the reason why community is important is because we are meant to care for one another. We are meant to love one another. We are meant to, to care for one another. We are meant to never break this incredible, beautiful, powerful generation and co generational connection that not only connects us to our parents, not only connects us to our grandparents, but it connects us to people who have lived a thousand years ago and beyond. Life in circles, life in community, breaking bread with one another, 
That's what it's about. And I think we're losing touch with this. I think we're losing the, the value of it. We're subjecting ourselves to being taught and discipled even by clips and videos and sound bites, TikToks and reels. We watch and we hear content that is particularly curated to program your mind toward a preferred mindset that's not necessarily for our benefit. We're consuming content from people who are not interested in our best, who don't even care for us, and some many times don't even know our name. And we're being convinced day after day that that is the main thing, that that is why we're here. That is not the main thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I learned from books. I learned from podcasts. I learned from documentaries. I learned from all of those avenues as well. It's not that they are bad. But I do have people who speak into my life. I have people who know my scars, and I know theirs. I have people whom I can sit with and share my life. We can laugh. We can cry. We can pray together. We can wrestle with the things of God, ask questions. And my question is, do you have that? Do you have that in your life? Do you have that kind of relationship? If you don't, I'm sorry to say, but I think you're living off side dishes. You're having the fries without the burger. You're having the mashed potatoes without the steak. You're having the chimichurri without the tacos. And you know you got to have the tacos for the chimichurri. You can't just have chimichurri, right? you got to have the main dish. See, it was never about the fire. It was never about the, 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 the fire pit. It was never about the food. It was always about the community. Those other things are the reaped benefits of community. The byproduct of community. And those things have evolved as technology has evolved. We have houses, we have technology, we have equipment, we have devices, we have careers and things that have come to a new level. And they have taken more of our time, more of our interest, but they're all a byproduct of community. Everything you're involved with is there today because a community put that together. There was a relationship, there was something that came about that people put their minds together and they... they they got to work. Now, I'm deeply concerned, as I said, that we're losing touch with this. We're losing touch with the main thing. We're making life about the indulgences and the benefits alone. We are preferring the food rather than the community, the warmth of the fire rather than the fervor of community. I'm concerned that in our generation, in our society, there is a tendency to Use friends to get to money instead of using our resources and our money to bless our friends. There's a tendency to be focused on getting a bigger house, getting a bigger, a bigger place and, and increase your net worth rather than get, making family life better. We're sacrificing the main thing for the sake of the byproduct that that main thing produces. That's because we live in a me-centered society. Everything's about us. Everything is about the consumer. Everything is about making the customer happy. And there's some benefit to that, but 
the problem we run into is, is that there's a problem of value. It messes up with our value, our value system. And I'm here to encourage you today to kind of bring your value system back to the center of what it's supposed to be. I think we need to begin the value community properly, our relationships properly, especially when it comes to the, the, the connection between generations. There's a real disconnect in our, in our time right now between generations. Now, why is the relationship between young and old important? Why does it matter? We need to learn this from the scriptures because... We need to have a center. I believe there's, for starters, that there's a mutual benefit for both generations when generations have community. Scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul was writing to Timothy and he says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. In other words, what Paul is saying is, you're my child in the faith. I have taught you things so that you can teach others. There is a generational connection here. For the young, a great benefit from this connection is wisdom. People who are young, they can learn from people who are older and learn from their instruction, from their experience. And I got to tell you, there's nothing quite like that. There's nothing quite like hearing from someone who cares for you come to you and say, listen, let me tell you what I've been through so that you don't have to, be, to go through that. Let me, tell you, let me tell you about the painful experiences that I've had. Let me tell you about what I've learned so you don't have to suffer like I've suffered. Let me tell you about my victories so you can get there faster. Let me show you now what took me 10 years to learn. There's nothing quite like that. So the benefit is great for the young. What is the benefit for those who are more experienced in life in teaching the young? Like many of you, I, I find myself in an interesting part of my life. I'm young enough uh, that there's so many people that are ahead of me in life. I, I have a lot of people in my circle that are older and and so I get to look up to them as much as I can, and, and I get to glean from them. Uh, but I'm also old enough that I have people coming up who are 20 years younger, and they're, be, be, they're young adults, and they're beginning adulthood. And what I see often is that people in my age group, in your 30s and 40s, I'm still in my 30s, holding on for dear life. Two weeks, she said. <laughs> That's right. It'll be, it'll be two weeks in my 30s. And what I see is, is people in, 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 this, in this age group caring about getting more, caring about uh, uh, acquiring, but not so much focused on sharing with younger generations what they have learned so far. And sometimes it's because, you know, you get in your 30s and you feel inadequate because when you were in your teens, you thought, you know, by the time I get to my 30s or 40s, I'm going to know so much. I'm going to be so good. I'm going to be so set. There's so much pressure on you just having it all together. And, and then you get to it and you go like, wow, my dad didn't really know anything. <laughs> we feel like we don't know. But let me tell you something. Every single one of you who are here today, you can instruct 
someone with a valuable lesson that you have learned in life. You could be 10 years old. You could be 90 years old here today. You have life lessons that you can share with others. And here's my challenge for you. Your legacy, the impact that you will have in this world, the purpose of your life, what brings meaning to your life will not be measured by your titles. It will not be measured by your bank account. It will not be measured by your achievements. Your legacy will be measured in its most important uh, measurements by what you have done as part of your community, what you have done for others, what you have done as in the context of your community. Your greatest legacy is your community. So every time you share an experience with somebody who's younger than you, a wisdom, a piece of wisdom, a lesson, something that God has brought you through, something that you have lived, something that you have endured, you are building that person. You're leaving a legacy in that person. You're leaving a legacy in the world because that person is going to go and live according to what you have shared for generations to come. And that will be your mark on the earth. That will be the thing that you have come to deposit in this earth. That's the part of you that will remain. Your houses will be sold. Your fame will fade. Your work will be surpassed by somebody else who will find a more efficient way, a better technology to enact your ideas. But the wisdom that you share with your community, the love that you poured into your community, the care that you devote to your community, that part will remain for generations to come. So I want to help you build intergenerational bonds that last today. And I'm going to share three and a half things. And I say half because the last thing actually involves all of them. It's kind of like the, the envelope of everything. The first thing is this. Very practical and very simple. For you to build intergenerational bonds that last, you got to keep communication constant. You got to keep the line of communication constant. Maybe you have a, a mom, a dad, a parent, somebody who has been your mentor, somebody who, who, whom you've known, and, and life gets busy and it's easy to lose, lose touch, or maybe somebody younger than you. Let me encourage you to, to just keep communication constant. This is one of the greatest challenges in our age, believe it or not. It's just communicating. Because just 150 years ago, there was no TV. There were no telephones. The only thing that existing is, existed was the printing press. We didn't even have radio 150 years ago. Now think about that. For thousands of years, mankind has communicated one way, face to face. And now in 150 years, we have developed such amazing technology that you can communicate with somebody across the world in multiple ways. You can, you can video chat them, you can send a video, you can send a text message, you can send an email, you can send them a voice message, you can call on the phone. There's, there are multiple ways that you can connect to people in real time. We are the first generation to experience that. The first one. The problem is that each generation has their preference. And most people who are older, statistically... Older than millennials, people who were born before 1980, they prefer face-to-face. -face. That's the proper method of communication. Everything else feels impersonal. It doesn't feel right. But for millennials and younger, they prefer text statistically. In fact, 
This is not something I recommend, but we, we knew a, a few couples that they wouldn't have face-to-face deep conversations. They would text each other in the house. Like, this is what I feel, and they would... I don't recommend that, but why? Because sometimes in our younger generation, people feel more comfortable writing it on the phone than having to look at the person in the eye. Let me encourage you today to not allow this to deter your connection with friends and family of different generations. This is really important. We're talking about community, right? And this is really important to make the effort to keep those bonds connected. Your family. Your family is your first community. And my wife and I are keenly aware of this. We have uh, three wonderful daughters and now a son who is too comfortable in the womb right there growing in, in her insides. He's a little fetus the size of an orange. About that. But just like his sisters, he's full of purpose. He's full of life. He's, he has a destiny to fulfill. And we know that our greatest responsibility is to make sure they receive this level of community from us. There's no other calling in our lives that is greater than that. Raising this immense amount of children that we have brought to the world. (laughs) It is our greatest legacy. Now I get it. Some of you, you don't have that. You didn't come from a great family. You came from a family that was... Perhaps there was abuse. Perhaps there were things that there was, were not good. Maybe you don't even know who your dad is. Or maybe there are things that were so tumultuous growing up that, that you, you don't have a great relationship with your family. Just it ne- That never flourished. That never developed. And if that's you today, if that's you watching, there's a promise in Psalm 68, 5, 6 that is for you. Scripture says this, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. Now listen to this next verse. It says, God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, and the, but the rebellious dwell in parched land. He settles the solitary in a home. And this is why I love the church. Because we are the only institution in the world that welcomes people of all ages, and we walk with people of all ages. From birth to burial, we walk together as a community and families. And so God can... can can connect you to a family that might not be your blood family, but they can become your family. You have people right here in this community who can become a voice of wisdom in your life. You have people right here in this community whom you can pour into from your heart and make them succeed. Whether it's through connect group or Sunday services, let me encourage you to keep communication constant with those around you so that you can share in life. And share what's going on in life. When you keep communication constant, that bond remains strong. And God will bless you for it. Number two is this. And this is more specific for how to relate to those who are older than you. We all have people in our lives who are older than, than us. Some of us have more people than others. But we all have people who are ahead of us in life. This is a very simple principle. It's a biblical principle, but it's something that... Most of us learn from home. You honor your elders. And, and we have to brush up on this because it's so common to see this honor in our society today. And as followers of Christ, as God-believing people, as people who are believing that God has a principle for us to live, we have to, we have to understand this as a principle. 
This has become a rule for the people of God from the beginning. In Leviticus chapter 19, 32, Scripture says this, You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. This was a law for the people of, of Israel to honor their elders. The Apostle Paul teaches it when it comes to leadership in the church. 1 Timothy 5.17, he's instructing a young pastor, and he's saying this, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Apostle Peter also writes, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves with all, all of you with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We live in a society that encourages rebellion, dismissal, even sometimes disrespect of older generations. And there is, there is a tension that exists between generations. And sometimes that can be healthy. Because the young person just wants to go out and, and try new things. And the older person with their experience, they say, you know, you got you to pay attention to this and that and the other. And that's a healthy tension. And so... But sometimes that can just grow into something unhealthy. See, Scripture doesn't say that you have to agree with everything your elder says. You can debate ideas with honor. You can even disagree with honor. But here's what you can't do with honor. You can't dismiss and ignore with honor. The conversation needs to happen. We need a healthy tension, like I said, between young and old. And you may say, J.D., you don't understand. He's always on my case. She's always on my case. It's hard to deal with. I can't stand them. How can I honor them? See, I'm not asking you to obey them. I'm asking you to obey the Lord, to follow God's instructions. Your ideas might not always line up. There might be that specific subject that you completely disagree with, and it's never going to change. That's okay. You can still honor in your speech, you can still have conversations. You can still call. You can still treat them with respect. You can still keep your heart pure under all circumstances. And if the relationship is great, all the better. Nurture that relationship with honor. Make room for it. Honor all the more. God will bless you for it. Now, here's some counsel on how to relate to those who are younger than you. Because we also all have people who are younger than us, including Little ones. And so many people uh, treat younger people, sometimes even children, like a disturbance. Like they're a disturbance to their life. That's, that's not the right perspective. Romans chapter 15, 1 and 2 says this. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the feelings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. we got to have a conscious awareness of the power of community and our place in it. It is our responsibility to pour into young people. See, young people are going to fail. They probably will fail more than we do. They're probably going to fail more than you do. But they're, they're going to need your instruction, probably more than you'd need instruction yourself. I want you to understand today that the young people that God has placed around us, He has done it for a purpose. And they may not quite be open to receive from us, but we ought to share everything that we can possibly share so that they can have the wisdom that God has given us. 
You got to remember your community, the people that God has placed in your life, they are your legacy. Your community is your greatest legacy. I want to light a fire under you today to care for the young, to show them love. We have, we have cases of depression and anxiety in, in high schools like this one all over America. It's skyrocketing. People feel disconnected even though they have all these avenues to connect. They feel alone and disconnected. And we are witnessing a generation growing up without spiritual fathers and without spiritual mothers. I think that we need to, to understand our place and, and, and do like the Apostle Paul did. In 1 Corinthians 4.15, 4, he says this, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I become your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And this is true today. Everybody has a guide. It's easy to find a guide. I have guides on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and in schools and different places, places of work. But we have a dearth, a deep dearth of spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. And I want to encourage you to open your heart and say, God, who have, who have, who have you placed in my life that I'm supposed to pour into? Who can I share the wisdom that you have given me so that they don't have to go through what I've been through? Who can I share my sufferings with? Who can I share the things that I have with? And, and apply what you have learned to build others. In every stage of life, you will have people that are coming up un under you who can glean from you. And you may say, J.D., I've, I've made so many mistakes. I could only mess somebody up. No, no. God can turn your ashes into beauty. And it can use your pain to heal someone else. He can use your pain to keep somebody else from that path that you took. And so God can redeem it. That's how God redeems our trouble. That's how he did, redeems our, our, our dark history. The things that we're ashamed of. He can bring it back so that, not, not, not that you may fear it, but that you can use it to bless somebody else and make the world better. Now I said I had a half, a half point. And it's not really a half because of value. It's a half because it's short. All of this, this intergenerational responsibility that we have and relationship that we have is only going to work if we have a commitment to humility. Now, humility is not just a, a value for community. Humility is a value of life. In fact, Christianity is humility. Life with Christ is humility. And humility is a requirement for true community. There is this conundrum with the gospel, right? There's a clash between Christian humility and Christian ambition, if you think about it. Because we come to God knowing that we don't deserve. And that's the right approach. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve what God has done for us. Yet, we want to conquer the world as we should. And that's what Christ calls us to do. There's this beauty, beautiful relationship between Christian living and Christian humility and love and romance. See, I knew from the moment I saw my wife 21 years ago that I didn't deserve her. I'm like, this girl is way out of my league, man. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I pursued her all the more. 
The same is true about the things of God. See, we don't pursue this life out of merit. Some of you are waiting until you deserve it. Some of you are waiting until you can earn it. You cannot earn it. This is only through the grace of God. But because he has removed the meritocracy from our, pers our pursuit, he has removed completely our need to deserve it. He has become our sin. He has taken our place on that beautiful cross. And he has suffered the punishment that was due to us. We can in him stand up with this confidence that we can, we can go for the unimaginable. We can chart our life and reach for our dreams. And we can change the world. And the same is true for the community. We need to pause and reflect on how community has really changed our lives, how it has, has impacted us. If you were to stop and think about everything that you have conquered and who it took, what relationship it took to get you there, you come to realize that truly community has changed your life. And so my encouragement to you today is to approach it with humility. Every single aspect of it. Approach with humility. We need to sit around our fires. You know, our fire pit might be different today. It might look different. It might be your kitchen table. It might be your living room. It might be a different place where you get together with your family and friends. But whatever that fire pit is, we need to sit around it again and keep communication constant. We need to sit around our fires and honor our elders, honor those who have come before us and, and ask questions, learn from them. We need to sit around our fires and embrace our young, embrace the responsibility to guide them, embrace the responsibility to lead them forward by being a good example. If we do that, I believe we will understand not only that life will have more meaning, that we'll, we'll be more connected, that we'll be more joyous, that we will share in community with others. But you will also understand that your community, the people that you're investing in, is worth, not only worth your time, but they are worth your talents and your, your, and your investment because they are truly your greatest legacy that you receive it this morning. Amen. I want to call the worship team back. We're going to have communion.